Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Yes, today is Thursday, November 9th, 2023, and our catechesis today will continue in uh, the book of Joshua. We're going to skip chapter 9, I'll give you a little bit of a recap, and then we go into chapter 10, which is a famous account and actually uh, might have some bearing on the life and ministry of Jesus, but we'll get to that. We would expect it to, wouldn't we? All right. So, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, our psalm for the week is Psalm 116, beginning in verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, Praise the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, our memory verse for the week. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. And our catechism for the week, second article of the Creed, what does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own, and live under him in his kingdom, and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right. First reading is today a new book. We're starting the book of Ephesians. And uh, you'll note that the beginning of the book of Ephesians is quite a bit different than the beginning of Galatians, which we started a little over a week ago. Um, Remember Galatians, he went right at at them with uh, the conflict that was at hand in the church of Galatia. Ephesians uh, might take a little bit more work for us to recognize. Uh, Paul, what's your emphasis here? What are you, what are you looking to establish or to confirm or, or to teach here? All right. So um, let's listen to the beginning here, verses 1 through 12. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Period. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. All right. So you can already hear in the introduction Paul telling us what uh, his primary themes are going to be here, and it is um, the doctrine of predestination that God has established and the fullness of time, uh, or established from the foundation of the world our salvation in Jesus Christ, and in the fullness of times he has dispensed that upon us um, through the suffering and death of Jesus. Again, predestined according to the purpose of him um, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that all things in heaven and on earth are under the Lord's command um, and guidance. All right, so that's going to be our theme. Of course, baptism is where this is established, um, but not just in baptism. So, We'll watch for those themes. You'll notice of him, of him, of him, by his, through his, through his, through him, before him, um, as he, right? This is the Father, all right? Um, And that all of the Father's work is accomplished in Christ, in Christ. We see this over and over, in Christ, by Jesus Christ, to himself, etc. So the Father works um, and uh, through his Son, his Son being the, the willing second person of the Trinity, right? I do not do my own will, I do the will of my Father who sent me, Jesus says. And all of this, of course, the will of God is that you be a child of God, that you receive adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, as he said. Isn't it lovely? Normally we don't hear this kind of, this quite this long a selection, so I think you start to hear the theme come out a little bit stronger when you hear a longer chunk like this. All right, moving along, then our reading for catechesis, we're going to do the longer version here. This is in chapter 10 of Joshua. You can see it's quite a bit, two pages here. Um, before we do that, though, I said I'd give you a little recap. So remember chapter 8, we had um, the uh, conquest of Ai. After the conquest of Ai, they came to Mount um, Ebal, and there there was a renewal or a, um, a reconfession, I guess, if you might say, or a recommitment to the book of the law. All right. Um half of them on Mount Ebal, half of them on Mount Gerizim, etc. Then they go through the land of the Gibeonites, um, and there the inhabitants of Gibeon, having heard what had happened, uh, worked craftily, and so they send ambassadors, and they actually uh, convince Joshua and the rest to make treaty with them, uh, a peace treaty, and to allow them to live, and then they'll be like water carriers and woodcutters, etc. All right, now this is the, of course, it's crafty. It's not what the Lord had commanded, and um, it's not going to go well for them. But you'll have to see how that spins out. All right. So uh, they were not commanded to make treaty. They did not. It actually says explicitly here um, that they did not inquire of the Lord 
before they made covenant with them. Yeah, they did not ask the counsel of the Lord. Joshua made peace with them without the Lord's counsel. In other words, he didn't consult with Aaron, um, who spoke on behalf of God to them. All right. And then, of course, there's deceit, and things don't go well. And that's where we pick up in chapter 10. Now, it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Dabir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. One, two, three, four, five. One, did I get that right? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, five kings. Yeah, this is the famous five king battle. Therefore, the five, oh, I didn't read far enough. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up they and all their armies encamped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly, save us, and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beit Haron, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Machedah. And it happened, as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beit Haron, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven, on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Mm-hmm. And Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Isn't this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down about for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Machedah. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings had been found hidden in the cave at Machedah. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened, while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished, that those who encamped or escaped entered fortified cities, and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Machida in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so. And brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. 
So it was when they brought out these kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who were with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor to be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remain until this day. On that day Joshua took Machedah and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, all the people who were in it. He let none remain. He also did to the king of Machida, as he had done to the king of Jericho. And I, and yeah. Okay, so um, let's start from the beginning. Who's the king of Jerusalem? His name is Adonai Zedek, which is, or Zedek, which is an interesting name, isn't it? It means Lord of Righteousness. Um, this is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah, is it 31 or 33? Somewhere in there. The Lord our righteousness is what he'll be called. Who else had been king of that city? We had uh, Melchizedek, Melchizedek, as we usually say, Genesis 14, which was, again, uh, um, Zedek is king, uh, Melchi, king of peace, right? Yeah, or king of righteousness. Yeah, Melch, righteousness, king of righteousness. So we have both from Jerusalem, the king of, um, the, uh, the Lord of righteousness, Zedek, and then we have Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, both um, referring to Jesus ultimately, right? The righteous king and Lord who came from Jerusalem as the son of David. All right. Um, remember, we had that peace treaty. I told you about that at the beginning with the Gibeonites. And this alarmed Adonai Zedek, right? Zedek is righteousness, right? Adonai, Lord. Um, because Gibeon was a great city, like a royal city, and all its men were strong. So we have five kings um, conspired together, four kings of the Amorites. The kings of Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, right? Along with Jerusalem to attack Gibeon. Um, this is not the first time, this is why I get a little confused about this story, that we've had five kings conspire together to against, um, against four. That was back in Genesis 14. You remember the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah had been part of an alliance of five that had lost to the four kings. This is with Abram, even. Genesis 14. Abram then defeated the army of the four kings before being blessed by Melchizedek at Salem, Jerusalem, all right, which is peace. There we go. I knew all those words were together. Melchizedek, Salem. All right, yes, good. Uh, so yes, five kings again. Mm, recapitulation of the same story. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, what did the Gibeonites do when they were attacked? Of course, called for their allies, um, Joshua, to come and aid them. And uh, Joshua did such, right? His, he and his men of war ascended up to fight. Um, notice what the Lord says. Notice what the Lord says uh, to Joshua before the battle. Verse 18. Do not fear them. Do not be afraid, for I will be with them, and the battle has already been won. Right? I think that's an instructive word for us. We've talked about in Bible class uh, these last few weeks, of course not last Sunday, but the previous Sundays, in that um, we are already living in um, the eschaton, in a sense, right? Jesus has already defeated our enemies. The battle has already been won, and yet yet they still have to go into battle, even though it's already been won. You see how that works? All right. Um, Joshua surprises the Amorites with an all-night march, right? He wouldn't march all night, but he did. 
And they people came up, his men came on them suddenly. Uh, in verse 10, you notice that the Lord aided, aided them when he routed their enemy and chased them along the road, striking them down. So this is, this is the first time we've heard of the commander of the Lord's armies coming before them and fighting the battle for them. Yeah. Um, but that's certainly been the case throughout. And the Lord did something else to the Amorites, even more so, rained large hailstones down from the sky and killed the soldiers. So you see, who's the one fighting? Who's the one winning the battle? Uh, yes, it's the Lord. So the majority of the Amorites were killed by the hailstones, not by the sword of, of Israel. All right, and then Joshua does this odd thing, right? He commands, or he prays that the sun st stands still and the moon be stopped um, over Gibeon, and the moon over the valley of Aijon, Aijalon, excuse me, Aijalon, uh, which apparently happened. And uh, then you have this note about the book of Jasher, um, a non-biblical book, but perhaps another history book that's not extant. We don't have a copy of it. It's referred to here. Um, sometimes you'll see like in Kings referring to the book of the Chronicles. So an editor obviously added that. Um, but anyway, and the Lord listened to the man Joshua and stopped the sun in the middle of the sky and delayed its going down for about a full day. Huh. Well, you think, what might that refer to in the life of Jesus? Hmm. We'll see. Uh, let us confess then at the end, verse 14, the Lord heeded the voice of the man who fought for and fought for Israel. All right, yeah. So when is another time that this happened to the sun? Unusually from noon until three, right? Jesus uh, dying upon the cross. Darkness came on the earth in the middle of the day. Of course, these two events are connected, right? The father heard the voice of a man, like Joshua, Jesus Christ. Oh, same name. Mm, means the same thing. As he defeated our enemies of darkness at the crucifixion. All right. Um, now watch Joshua do to the five kings. Uh, he finds them uh, in the caves, traps them in a cave where they've been hiding. And uh, then Joshua is the one who ultimately op commands them to open the mouth of the cave and says uh, to put their feet upon the necks of the five kings is a sign of um, submission, but you might also think of our memory verse from last week, right? He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, right? Christ would be the one who would crush the head of the serpent with his heel, even as it's bruised at the cross, right? All right, while they have their feet upon their necks, um, what good news did Joshua proclaim? Be of be strong and of good courage, for, for thus the Lord will do to all the enemies that you fight. Yes. And then they struck and killed the five kings and hanged them in trees, just like we saw with Ai and, and Jericho, um, until the evening. And then they're placed in the cave. Um, and then the rocks are have sealed the tombs of those five kings. I think this also is a helpful picture of Jesus, right? How the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh are sealed up in the tomb of Christ when he comes forth in triumph, right? And of course, our final Joshua, Jesus, will free us on the day of judgment in like manner. All right. Like Melchizedek before him, Adonai Zedek's name proclaims the coming of the one who is truly the Lord or King of Righteousness. The one greater than Joshua would reveal his righteousness for all the nations when he was lifted up on the tree of the cross. The condemnation of the law could not defeat the one who brought darkness at midday as he laid down his life for the whole world. Faith cries out that the Lord was fighting for Israel in the midst of the darkness, that he might imprison uh, our enemies in the tomb. The new Joshua came forth from the tomb, revealing that he had crushed the head of Satan and freed us from the curse of the law by his own death and resurrection. So the devil, the world, and our flesh have been tossed and all tossed into the tomb with Christ, 
and those enemies have now sealed up by the gospel of the rock of our salvation, our Lord Jesus Christ. By the word of the gospel, they are rendered powerless for they, for those who believe and are held firmly in their grave until he comes again to judge the living and the dead. Truly, Jesus is the Lord of righteousness. All right. So we have some significant battles there. The five kings, before that the king of Ai, before that the king of Jericho, right? And uh, tomorrow we'll get a, a few more. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week for all the saints. keep my voice <laughs> starting to lose it some high high stuff there plus today is a commemoration all right today is the commemoration of uh, martin chemnitz pastor and confessor born on this day in 1522 was perhaps the greatest theologian of the lutheran church could ever boast martin chemnitz so significant was his life's work on the lasting success of the reformation that it became a lutheran proverb if the second martin chemnitz had not come the first martin luther would hardly have last Again, if the second Martin had not come, the first Martin would hardly have last, lasted. This humble and ironic man was born in Brangenburg, and after some initial education at Magdeburg, he apprenticed to become a weaver. Chemnitz followed his, this calling for a few years, but at last returned to his studies at age 20. He studied until his funds ran dry, and then he taught. In 1545, he went to Wittenberg and studied under both Luther, Shortly, and Melanchthon. He graduated from Königsberg in 1548 and ended up in a post as librarian. He taught some, but mostly he could read. And read he did. It was regarded as one of the finest libraries of the day. His interest in reading shifted from astrology, which he had studied at Magdeburg, to divinity. Chemnitz worked through the scriptures in their original languages, studying matters that had long puzzled him. He worked through the extant writings of the great fathers of the church. He then studied the great controversies of the day, concluding that the Lutheran position was, in fact, biblically and historically grounded. He was ordained November 25, 1554, and was made coadjutor of the superintendent of the Duchy of Brunswick. In 1567, he became superintendent and remained in the post till his death. His years of careful study enabled him to write voluminous theological tomes. I have many of them over there. He gave critical read of the canon and decrees of the Council of Trent in his examine, 
He prepared his own annotated version of Melanchthon's Lochi uh, Communis, called the Lochi Theologici, and he prepared a handbook for the examination of pastors in Brunswick. He wrote definitive treatise on the Lord's Supper and Christology. have those too. Excellent works. His erratic spirit, encyclopedic mind, and humble submission to the sacred scriptures soon made him a leading theological force in the troubled years after Luther's death. He was a, the major contributor to the work that resulted in the formula of Concord. At the end of his life, he experienced increasing forgetfulness, surely a great trial to a man who had always had what he needed neatly stored away in his mind. He died April 8, 1586, at the age of 64. We pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father, through the teaching of Martin Chemnitz, you prepare us for the coming of your Son to lead home his bride, the Church, that with all the company of the redeemed we may finally enter his eternal wedding feast. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray the Collect for the Week. O God, our refuge and strength, the author of all godliness, hear the devout prayers of your Church, especially in times of persecution, and grant that what we ask in faith we may obtain. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray this day for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We also pray um, this day for the households of our church, especially Gary and Barb, Jim, Paul, Deb, Robert, and Renata, our catechumens, those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, Ron, Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. Pray for our homebound, Marcy, Dan, Lenore, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of LCMS World Relief and Human Care. And we continue to pray with the family and friends of Marion who grieve her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today, Thursday, November 9th, 2023. It's so good to have you here. Hope that was a blessing to you and instructive to you. Um, you think about all the connections to these stories. Jesus says the whole scripture testifies to him. Um, and so we have this idea. You know, um, Joshua ends up being like the uh, the priests along with Pontius Pilate who command that, they, that the tomb be sealed and that the, stone, that the guards be posted and watch, right? Except Jesus is the one in the tomb, not the five kings, right? So you have all this um, parallel but yet inverted Beautiful stuff, right? Nothing coincidental about these about the scriptures, are there? Inspired by the Spirit, of course. All right, so that's it for today. Um, I hope you can join us again tomorrow. And tomorrow we're going to hear not just selections of a number of the conquests that will come. The story kind of uh, moves a little bit more rapidly, so we'll jump around a bit as well.
All right. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you tomorrow. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.